right? And so um, even though we have a goal to get to a certain place um, or we want to, we set out to do a certain thing, you know, I designed my day, I want to do X, Y, and Z today. We have to be in a frame of mind to be able to react to, to things that, that happen around us. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. So for our episode today, I want to follow up with what we were talking about last week, Um, but look at it from a slightly different perspective. So on our last episode, we discussed making conscious decisions when planning out your day, planning out your week. Um, You know, the, the expected result being, you know, that you're able to accomplish the items you've designated as critical without being waylaid or distracted for, for any number of reasons. Um, but recently, you and I have had a client reach out to us with something that is is truly urgent, requiring us to make adjustments and pivot. So I want to talk about that. Um, you know, how do you recognize when a situation is truly urgent and not overblown or, or just a distraction? When do you have to realize I need to pivot on my plans to actually adjust for something that's that's truly urgent? Um, and then, as part of that, how do you go about planning your day and week so as not to be too rigid? from preventing you from responding to actual critical items. I like it. Um, so I'm going to start with the second piece of that, because that's, yeah. I think, a much easier thing for me to answer. The, the other the other one is, I think, probably a more drawn out uh, conversation. We can definitely uh, get to that and tackle it. But um, I talked about my approach using the Pomodoro cycles as, as part of how I plan my day. And um, so I have, and I guess we should do the math. So I have 10 25-minute cycles um, that I try to get done within a day. And I say say try um, because I rarely get to to all 10. If if I get five or six cycles done in a day, I, I feel good. But if I did all 10... Um, and breaks included. We're talking like four and a half hours, right, of, mm-hmm. of work. Yeah. So um, if – and I don't hold myself to an eight-hour workday. Sometimes I work much less, and some days I work more than that. Um, but if for my structured part of my day, let's call it four and a half mm-hmm. hours, let's call it five hours, that still leaves me plenty of time to be able to address ad hoc needs to address items that are true emergencies. So I, I don't think they're mutually exclusive where um, you you have a very highly structured day um, and also are able to be nimble and respond to things that aren't part of your design, at least how I've structured it, right? And how the Pomodoro technique um, structures things where you know, if, if you're getting all 10 of those sprints done, you still have half your workday left. Mm-hmm. It gives you plenty of time to work on other things. 
Now, I may have asked this before, but how do you handle things that definitely take more than 25 minutes? Yeah, so I will I will definitely break it up. Either way, it gets broken up. I, I don't mm -hmm. work on something for more than 25 minutes. Um, however, when I know it is a, a bigger project and I have the focus and I know I just want to be able to have the continuity because there's a very real cost to context switching. Um, and I, and I recognize that. So if I feel like it's going to be efficient for me to use three consecutive cycles on one project, I will absolutely do that, but I will take the recommended breaks five minutes or so in between each cycle, because what I found is that even that just that five minutes of stepping away and I'll, I'll physically walk away from my desk, maybe just walk around the house, maybe step outside, get some fresh air, maybe grab um a, a drink out of the fridge just that act of walking away keeps my brain fresh and allows me to be much more focused and efficient i've noticed when i've tried to do that full let's call it a 90 minute dedicated session on one project i end up getting really flustered i feel like there's no stopping point i just keep kind of beating myself down and down and down to get something completed and and i find I find I'm actually subconsciously looking for distraction, right? Because I, I, it's just too long for me to sit and focus for, for any um, one specific thing. So even though I'm not taking breaks away from it, I'm finding I'm constantly looking for distractions, whether it's, oh, you know, the Amazon van just dropped off a package at the porch. I got to go get that. Or, eh, you know, I haven't checked a certain website in about 20 minutes, so I need to go check that. When I'm when I'm sticking to the 25 minute cycles and taking that five minute break, I have very little subconscious creep in my mind saying, go find a distraction. So that, that's how I tend to handle it. Um, when I know it's going to take much longer than that, I have to think about a couple different things. One, am I trying to take on something too big that logically needs to be broken down into smaller chunks? And I think that's that's an important conversation to have with yourself is that um, it's it's and, and I don't want to I don't want to jump into your and, and I guess we don't have uh, Bryant on the podcast today, because if we did, he would say, what do you mean? Like eating an elephant one bite at a time? Um, Dad, hey, I you want to be on the podcast? I need my children. Oh, OK. OK, you got to hold on for two seconds. I, I have a crew out in the yard. Um, planting trees and shrubs and the five-year-old came in and he said he needs his shovel so he can help and i yep. can't resist so no nope, go get him a shovel i'll be right back where's your shovel will okay all right that was just all the right. cutest he is uh super cute um yeah, there's a. Uh oh, did it screw up my volume? Did it screw up my inputs? No, no. Uh, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, they dumped a big pile of mulch out on the road, and he's out there shoveling it from the big pile into a wheelbarrow with this little. That's so shovel, fun. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Uh, okay, where was I? Um, so, I mean, what I, I oh. asked you. Oh, good. Yeah. So, so, you know, I think if, if Bryant was on the podcast, he would say, you mean like eating a whole elephant one bite at a time? 
right? Like with our, our corporatisms. Um, but yeah, you know, we, it's, it's important to also break things down into achievable chunks. So if I'm finding that I'm constantly doing things that take all my cycles in one day, I haven't broken it down into, into smaller bite-sized pieces. Um, mm -hmm. so that's a, a good reminder to, to do that as well. I, I don't do a good of job as I should in capturing metadata around my cycles. Maybe I'll get to the point where I do so I can go back and analyze those things. Right now, it's just kind of a general sense or a feeling I get. Um, but I could see some potential value in collecting a bit more data around those cycles so I can go back and, and analyze it and further refine it be, to become even more efficient there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what I was thinking about when you were talking was... I. I actually find the breaking it up, at least for me, it seems counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. You're saying you're seeing great success with it, breaking up those things that do take a great amount of time, like taking that five, 10 minutes away from your desk. Um, you're, you're actually saying you're getting better productivity instead of yeah. just staying focused on something for 90 to, to 120 minutes straight. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the reason why, at least for me, is that, where I don't give my brain that chance to just rest and, and reset a little bit, I find I start making mistakes I normally wouldn't. And so I'll have to go back and spend even more time unraveling things and finding out where I made a mistake and, and spending time on fixing that rather than on just continuing the, the work. And it's not to say it's it's 100% mistake free, but I, I do find that I, I'm, I'm rushing less. And when I'm just again, let's say I sat down and said, I'm going to work on this until it's done. I find myself getting frustrated and mentally tired and forcing things and starting to make mistakes. Um, and, and I think that applies to the work we do and it applies to anything else. Like I I've tried to take that on with like any home projects I'm doing, um, breaking it up into those chunks, because if I don't, then I end up getting frustrated and I'm like, just give me a hammer. I'm going to like pound this thing in until it fits and just, you know, mangle it instead of just like, okay, just enjoy the process, take your time and be mentally refreshed. And so, yeah, for me, that's why it's been more efficient is because I've just made less mistakes because I, I'm not forcing it to, to get done. Um, if that makes sense. No, it's, it's interesting. And maybe I should try, try doing that because I still find myself in that habit of I'm focused on something. So keep going until it's done. Um, and then, of course, that just causes a whole other bunch of uh, frustrations. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I think a lot of things um, when it comes to efficiency are, are kind of counterintuitive. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, the whole concept, um, and it, it's definitely not the four-hour work week or whatever, four-hour, whatever that, whatever the... The, the, the Tim Ferriss book. The Tim Ferriss book. Um, but I, I will tell you that the days where I get maybe 70 to 80% of my Pomodoro cycles done, if that's all I did in the day, I would be more productive that day than most. And I would only work maybe three, three and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And it's what kind of would, right? Yeah. So what would you say to the person that's like, you know, regardless of how I break things down, I'm, I'm allocated to seven hours of work minimum. Like I, I need to be putting in seven hours of productive time. And that's where we go back to kind of your first question of how do we evaluate whether things are real emergencies or not? To, to me, that's a cultural problem with, within the business or, you know, it's it, it unless I'm unless I'm an hourly employee and I'm punching the clock. 
um, then it's a it's a cultural problem with the business on what we're measuring um, as value of of what each employee is is generating. And the problem that you get from that, and I and I believe I've talked about this on previous podcasts, is that humans are really really good about filling predefined buckets, right? And um, if if we have a bucket, uh, our tendency is to fill that. And so if our bucket is to work seven hours a day, if our bucket is it's going to take us uh, three weeks to get this project done, it's amazing how it almost always takes exactly three weeks. You know, it's amazing how we come in at nine and we leave at five. You know, how we're just amazing at filling that. Um, so if, if that's what we've set as the parameters, we are absolutely going to fill it. But the better question is, what are we filling it with? Um, and, and that's where this concept of really having deliberate cycles in how you work, um, that the concept of, of that being much more productive than filling an eight hour day is that I bet if we were to go back and look and evaluate how we worked previously, we would be astonished at how much idle time that we spent at work. I know I did. I know there were times that the jobs I work where there were probably days that three or four hours easily, I did nothing at all. Nothing. Right. So, so here's another way to think of it too. So like I look at my to-do list and I use a tool called uh, Workflowy, And yep. what I do is, you know, you're the one who actually recommended it to me. So I've got yep. various, you know, main set, main categories, like, client work and then each client system of that. So it's kind of my backlog there. And mm -hmm. then I've got at the very top, you know, week of. So the, the most current one is the coming week. And then as of right now, I'm I'm plotting things out two weeks out. So I've yeah. already got stuff in next week and the week after. Um, so what I try to do is like on a Friday, schedule out that week, close out the current week, the coming week, order the things that are most you know, you know, the, the, the most important that I see getting done. And then I then have a subcategory under that called later. So the top three to four are, are there. And then everything else is under later. Um, but what I've been noticing, and this is where I've been struggling a bit the last couple of weeks, it, it, it feels like no matter what, I'm still pushing things up into that main category for the week. And, you know, I just like, instead, let's see how, how, how to say it, like by the end of the day, you know, at, and I don't mean that as, as a cliche, I mean, like at the actual end of a day, when I look at things, I feel like that, that list isn't getting any, any smaller mm -hmm. at times, or I am always finding ways to fill that main category. And, you know, even though I check one thing off, two more things appear. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's a real mindset. Um, where you, uh, and again, I, I want to stop really far short from the line of, of, of people thinking that I like, well, I, we don't know, like we're trying to figure things out on what works mm -hmm. for each of us individually. And I, I, I'll just share from what experiences of things that, that I've tried or we've tried and things that I have either worked or, or failed, but by no means do I want this to come off as here's the secret weapon for how you should do things. Like I think, I think people need to be open to evaluating and trying different things and finding what works best for them. Um, to that point with, with, what, what you said. Um, yeah, I mean, if we're, 
if we're doing it right and we're and we're becoming more successful, that's going to be get more and more items added to our list, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just it's just going to be a natural output of that. So, um, if if this works, then we're going to be blessed with having that list never get smaller. It's always going to get bigger. Um, but we we can talk about the logistics of properly managing that. But I think it's also important to talk about the psychology of it. Um, in that it is important for me, um, it was important to shift, uh, where I found the gratification and, and I've started doing this in, in all things, whether it's washing the dishes or making dinner, uh, or working on a complex problem for a client, uh, for most of my career, uh, I, I had conditioned myself to celebrate and find enjoyment in the end result. The dishes put together. I have a, a plate of food that looks beautiful, which I really like to do, by the way. Um, all of the dishes are done. Like, this sucks. I have to do the dishes. The sink is full. But I'm finally going to feel good once it's done. Um, I have this really, really complicated problem that I've been working on for a client. It's taking a lot of my thought process. It's stressing me out. I'm going to be so excited to celebrate it when it's done. Earlier this year, um, and this is a combination of a lot of uh, books that I've read, some that you've shared with me, um, a lot of uh, taking some time off. Evan uh, Evan LaPointe has been really a strong force for me to um, take what he calls walkabouts. And um, in fact, I have an email sitting in my inbox where he gave me homework to take a walkabout this week <laughs> where he, he's been a really strong influence on me to like get away from things and just walk out into the woods. And I'm, I'm lucky that I can just walk a few hundred feet into my backyard and I'm in kind of the, the hills with trees and out into nature. But to do that and just self-reflect and think. And as, as part of that, um, I came to the conclusion that I need to change and make a pivot in, in where I find the enjoyment of things. And the decision was that I am going to look for ways to enjoy the process of doing things just as much, if not more than the outcome. And, and so really you can apply that to area, every area of life, but it's kind of building on this theme of, it seems counterintuitive. A lot of what we're fed, whether, you know, we're watching a documentary on mountain climbers there, they've got summit fever, right? Like our goal is to sit on this point And because of that, that's where we can celebrate. Um, or as things as mundane as doing the dishes, you know, I can get rid of that task I'm dreading and I can celebrate when it's all, it's all done. The reality is, is that there's a tremendous amount of enjoyment that can be found in the process of doing the work. And I've made a very mental shift to my time to do the dishes is Zen. Like I enjoy just the process of doing it. And I found that carryover to, to work and, and using the, the Pomodoro system that I've put into place has allowed me to, to do that, um, is that I'm finding I'm enjoying just the process of doing the work far more than getting it done. Um, and it's, it's been a very enlightening perspective. So, uh, I published, um, a blog post, uh, a few weeks ago. Um, there were a bunch of people asking me about book recommendations. I'm going to pull it up. Um, 
and my I'm gonna pivot over to it. Hold on, uh, and I should we should link it up. Um, my my one of my all time favorite books, and it's the book I've put under the books that have had the greatest impact on on my life and career is uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Um, my copy is completely beat up. Um, I, I take it with me everywhere I've, I go. I've probably read it seven or eight times. There's just so much, uh, so much goodness there. But let me give me 20 seconds to find this uh, quote. Because there's a there's a sentence in that book that really sums up um, kind of this this idea of enjoying the process. Uh, let me find it. But I don't know. Okay. I don't know if I should read the whole thing. It's really beautiful, but I'll, I'll just read. Um, I'll just read the last thing here. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to read the whole thing because it's so good. I don't even know where to cut it off. Okay. Um, Uh, so mountains should be climbed with as little effort as possible and without desire. The reality of your own nature should determine the speed. If you become restless, speed up. If you become winded, slow down. You climb the mountain in an equilibrium between restlessness and exhaustion. Then when you're no longer thinking ahead, each footstep isn't just a means to an end, but a unique event in itself. The leaf has jagged edges. This rock looks loose. From this place, the snow is less visible, even though closer. These are things you should notice anyway. To live only for some, and this is really the, the, the crux of, of what I, I'm, I'm trying to get out. To live only for some future goal is shallow. It's the sides of the mountain which sustain life, not the top. Here is where things grow. And I, I, I have probably read that again, seven or eight times over the last 20 years. But it wasn't until I read it this year after I kind of took this pivot to really enjoy the process of work more that this quote really started to have meaning for me. So I'll read this last part again. To live, to live only for some future goal is shallow. It's the sides of the mountain which sustain life, not the top. Here, Here's where things grow. Right. And it just struck me. It's like I, I've been living for this future goal that I've been trying to blaze through the side of the mountain to get to the top. But that's just some shallow future goal. It's it's actually the process of getting there, the sides of the mountain where life is lived. And it's better to enjoy that rather than to suffer through that, only to have that brief enjoyment at the very top. Um, so anyway getting super super philosophical here but uh, no th this is actually really good because there's a couple things i want to dig in there so i do have a question which i'm going to get to but the first thing i want to say is as you were talking this reminds me of a conversation bryant and i had last week when we were in boston uh you know after we had gone to dinner after we've been in a client office and we were just talking you know philosophically you know you know, in, in some way, the meaning of life, right? Like we were talking about that stuff, but tied to, 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 to work. And, you know, I, I said, like, I've been trying to get at the root of, of, of several bad subconscious or un, unhealthy subconscious behaviors that I've noticed. The more I think about it, the more I look back, 
I've had it my my entire career, the last 20 plus years. And it, it's one of these things where I overload myself to the point of burnout, go through that cycle several times. And then, you know, like instead of trying to figure out what am I doing wrong, I I up and move on. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to somewhere else thinking somewhere else is going to be the the, the better place. I'm like, I got to figure that out. Um, because I mean, it, it, it still happens to me today because I, I look at my, my to-do list and it just, it, it, it never shrinks. And I think in a way I've been trying, you know, you've mentioned this to me a couple of times. So it's like, how do I, how do I reach this point? Because then my question then becomes much more, much less philosophical, but what do you do then? Like, you know, you're enjoying doesn't necessarily mean taking it slow, but it doesn't, you know, enjoying something because when, how do I want to ask this? Because when you're focused on that endpoint and not necessarily focused on the process or enjoying the process, you get yourself into this like constant state of sprinting, sprinting to get this thing done, to get that thing done, to check this next thing off my list. And then the next thing after, after that, because, you know, it feels like if you were to, to slow down or focus on the process of doing something, you can't get that done to get the next thing done. Right. So it's almost like this panic starts to set in. Like I need to get this done because I need to get the next thing done because then there's a third thing after that, which people are asking me for. So, um, you know, as you've been refocusing your frame of mind, does that, do you encounter, you know, situations such as that? You mean in the exterior world, as far as the pressures that are, are being put on me or just the environment that I'm in? Both. Yeah. For sure. And I think it's, it's... Well, that's like, that, that's not, you know, again, kind of going back to the end then, or like the, the, the completion or something that, that then you're saying, then that's a constant battle. Like that's something that never goes away. Well, and going back to the Zen and art of motorcycle maintenance quote, it's an equilibrium mm-hmm. that each individual needs to find their equilibrium. And mine is different from yours. We have to find that, that balance point where, where our struggle is, is that not everyone adopts our philosophy of work and way of life. And Mm -hmm. so we're often, um, we're often pushed by external forces and um, based on where we're at mentally, that could have a drastic impact on how we frame things. But in the end, we're responsible, right? And as much as people want to inject their will or their way, uh, ultimately, we we have a responsibility to ourselves to set what we know works works best for us, and that's way easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it is a constant, and I don't want to call it a battle because I think it puts it in the right con- wrong context. But it's it's a constant variable that I have to face every day and every week um, because if I were to come in and frame my day and design it for how I want, and the and someone else comes in, which is absolutely going to happen. I have two choices. I can, I can have a way for, for managing that, which is going to be the healthiest approach. Um, most of us, if we don't think about it critically, we'll just react to it 
And oftentimes the reaction is, I had planned out my perfect day and you came and screwed it up. I am angry, mm -hmm. upset. I hate you. The, today is ruined. Um, yes. And so, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That, that, that's happened. <laughs> <laughs> and, and some days are, are harder than others. But I think the cure is that um, having the flexibility, but more importantly, having a way of, of dealing with those, those external forces. So this quote just keeps ringing true over and over again. I'm going to read this first part of it again. Um, if you become restless, speed up. If you become winded, slow down. You climb the mountain in an equilibrium between restlessness and exhaustion. Right. And so, mm -hmm. um, even though we have a goal to get to a certain place, um, or we want to, we set out to do a certain thing, you know, I designed my day. I want to do X, Y, and Z today. We have to be in a frame of mind to be able to react to, to things that, that happen around us. And that may be, we completely ignore it for the, for the minute because it doesn't have any impact on what we're doing. It may mean we need to pivot and speed something up. It may mean that we need to slow down and that, you know, let, let me pivot the conversation a little bit and take that last piece back to your first question. So, um, there, there are times where we often need to slow down because of external stimulus, stimuli. Um, and back to your first question, you said, and I can't remember, you framed it way better than I'm going to repeat it, but something about um, how do you know when something's truly emergency versus not? Mm -hmm. it, it's, and, not it's overblown or a distraction. And uh, there, there's a big organizational and psychological component to this because I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the environment in which you work. Uh, if you work in an environment where everything is an emergency, the likelihood of the next thing coming up being emergency is probably really high, whether it is or not, right? Um, what's the, oh, we need Bryant for all these adages and corporatisms um, to a, to a, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. Um, so I, I think an important part of, of, of dealing with it is evaluating um, the environment that you are in um, to to properly understand things. It's it's one of the values that that we absolutely bring to companies that we work with. And, and by that, I mean uh, a, a large number of companies we work with um, just because it tends to be the norm in the corporate world are, are, are very much stuck in a cycle of emergency, reactionary, everything is triage. Mm -hmm. And because of that, um, everything to a hammer is a nail, right? Everything that's, every task is an emergency because that's the environment we work in. We don't work like that. And I think um, that gives us an opportunity to provide tremendous value to the companies that partner with us because we can step in and slow down and say, wait a minute, let's slow down and really think through this because your natural reaction is to call this an, emer an emergency because that's all you see. But let's help take you out of that environment a little bit um, and, and elevate you up, up above it to see that that's just one little patch that you're stuck in um, and let's help you break that cycle by knowing that not everything is an emergency uh, does that mean that everything we evaluate isn't no I mean we've definitely had things come up that are actual emergencies um, and we've had to jump in and help but again I think we're in a really unique position because we're not working in the emergency room we're not firefighters 
um, that we're able to just take a step back and be a bit more critical about what truly is an emergency and what isn't. If, if you are in an organization where that's part of your culture, I think it's a lot more difficult. Um, even if you recognize it, it's, it's difficult being in that situation all the time, right? We're so, um, we're, we're, what's the, what's the right word? Um, we're, we're so kind of pushed to and fro by the environment that we're in, whether it's a sporting event or inside the company we're working at, we're really impacted and influenced by the state that we're operating in and the people around us. And even though we may not do something, I think sports is a great example of this um, because there are people that will do things at a sporting event that would never do that same thing outside of a sporting event, right? And it just shows you the level of influence being in a certain environment has on you, right? Like just think about the fan that is absolutely losing their shit and yelling at players and throwing things onto the field. <laughs> Jim raises hand. Um, so well, outside, I've never thrown anything onto the field. I can say that I've never, so, never done that. So outside their kind of day-to-day -day character, but you put them that them in that environment, and all of a sudden they become someone else. Mm -hmm. I, well, and and I've been there too. I've been I've been red carded as a coach in a soccer game. You know, mm -hmm. I've been there. But that that doesn't that isn't how I operate on a day to day basis. Oh, trust me, I get fired up, especially come like NHL playoff time. But you made me think of something that happened. I think it was last week during one of the flyers games this kid was caught on camera after a visiting team scored a goal and the kids flipping them off i'm talking maybe, <laughs> i think i think it's like a five-year-old is, is is flipping them off and you know yeah you know chances are that kid's not going to do that anywhere else odds are but you know there's there's like almost kind of like a a little bit of leeway there yeah. So, uh, you know, and again, I think that's a perfect analogy for what happens in the workplace and that, you know, we may we may go home at night and be very chill and just, you know, grab a glass of wine or a bottle of sparkling water and sit on the couch and just, you know, zone out and watch your favorite TV show. But you put us in that environment in the office and all of a sudden a different switch is flipped. And if that environment is is breeding is breeding fear and and danger and everything's an emergency, it doesn't matter, you know, how mentally aware we are of that when we're in that environment, it's hard not to have that change how we, we act. Right. And so right, I do think if, if you're listening to this and that is the culture you work in and you recognize it, it's still going to be incredibly difficult, but I, but, but you have to kind of fight against it. Um, unless truly that is the nature of the business or, that's how you like to operate, which I can't imagine very few people can sustain that um, way of life. My 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 dad was a uh, was an EMT early in, in his life, and I think he lasted like two years. Um, he's like, there's, there's just no way I couldn't keep up that that constant on emergency state. I just couldn't do it anymore. And I think that's what happens a lot, unfortunately, in the business world is that we're first responders and everything's an emergency and it may be exciting and fun at first, but five or six years into your career and you are burned out, man, you are mm -hmm. tired. Right. So it, it's important to recognize it and be able to where possible, slow down and take mm -hmm. a step back and really properly evaluate. If not, 
then the status quo is going to be, it's a, it's a, I, I'm a hammer. So that's a freaking nail and I'm going to pound the crap out of it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think that from that perspective, it's a real challenge. And again, I, it, it's it's interesting because a lot of the, the the places where I think we drive real value for businesses um, isn't found in any uh, in any SOW right like if you were to pull apart the actual legal agreements we have with companies it doesn't say anything in there about bringing a sense of balance and a different perspective and make, making people happier and like it doesn't say that anywhere but that's what we end up doing um, and I and I kind of put it that you know the work is just kind of an excuse the you know the running optimization programs and doing doing really um world-class implementations and 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 diving into data and producing insights those things almost become an excuse to do the other work which provides a massive amount of, of value for for our clients yeah and, and the particular client that drove the, the, the this episode We've been working with them for, for quite some time right now, but over the last two years, we've really been trying to work with our primary stakeholder on this exact type of environment that you described. You know, they are truly like emergency driven. Um, they have an open office layout and they're constantly telling me about people walking by and grabbing one or multiple people from the team and just coming over and tapping them on the shoulder and interrupting whatever they were whatever they were doing. So our primary stakeholder and I have been doing a lot of talking about um, how do we slow down? How do we be more methodical and really come up with a plan and not jump at every emergency? Um, Jen's also been involved in, in, in those conversations as well. And have we always been successful? No, we, we've stubbed our toe. And at times even it's been two steps forward, one step back with them. Um, or even two steps forward, a step and a half back where, but, you know, there's always these little increments of, of progress. Uh, at least that's the way I've tried to, to measure it is, is are we making, um, some form of progress? But when they came to us last week, you know, this was one we could quickly tell that like, this is not just an overblown emergency that is, is going to distract everybody. Like this is something where we need to pivot on our plans address it and then come back and replan out what we originally had, uh, had identified what to do. Yeah. And, and again, I think that once you can get to that place, um, the, the act of jumping in when it really is an emergency, um, is much less draining and harmful than, than previous, right? Because there are, there are times where you absolutely have to pivot outside of your plans because things come up that you don't foresee. Things are actually having very real-time negative impacts on, on businesses, and, and we need to be able to pivot to do that. And, and again, once you recognize that and you can properly evaluate and determine it is, um, not only are the outcomes better, but the outcome from a personal perspective is better. Uh, I'm sure you feel much better about being able to do that and feel – um, less like just being pulled here and there and getting frustrated that everything's an emergency. When you have that opportunity to really evaluate it, you enjoy the process and you enjoy the fact that you were able to jump in and, and help out, right? It completely shifts your mindset. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So 
Um, yeah, I think there's there's lots of things to to really think about and, and ponder from from this episode. I, I would sum it up by saying um, it, it's important to design your day in such a way that still allows you um, the ability to move outside that design. Uh, and, and that's important, right? Because things are going to come up all the time that we can't foresee. And we need to be flexible to be able to address those things. And just because, because something comes up and is outside of our design, we shouldn't take the instinctive approach of my day is ruined. You know, I've, everything is ruined. Um, so that that's kind of the, the number one piece. The number, the number two piece, um, and really the thing that has made the biggest difference in, in how I work is, um, and again, this may not work for everyone, but I would ask you to evaluate, can I shift where I put my um, celebration? Can I, can I learn to enjoy the process of doing things just as much, if not more than reaching the destination? Um, it, it really changes the way that you view your work and, and what you do. Um, and then the third piece would be um, evaluate the environment that you're working in and, and, and understand that um, the environment has a huge impact on how you react as, a, as, a, as an employee, as a person. And, and realize that if you're in a, a loud uh, sporting arena all the time and people are yelling at each other, you're much more likely to yell. And if I'm in a, an environment where everything is a last minute emergency, everything that comes up is going to look like a last minute emergency. And, and just take stock of, of the environment you're in and how that's impacting your decision making. And that especially if you're in that type of environment, it's important to take a step back and, and properly evaluate things rather than just reacting to everything, which is the default. And if you can't break that process, hire an outside partner, right? It, having someone, uh, we, we have an outside partner that we work with at 33 Sticks. You know, having someone that is outside of it to, to help show you that different perspective can be so insanely valuable if it's truly something that you put value on. So if you recognize it and realize how difficult it is and you've tried to solve it and you can't, find a find an outside partner that can that can help, you know, provide a, a, a slightly different perspective um, on on how you work. I think you'll be amazed at at the results you're able to achieve. I, I think you, you you hit the nail right there, being <laughs> Yes. You're so so quitted today. I am. And I was actually dragging this morning. Like I was just like again, like the last couple mornings have just been like rough getting out of bed, but uh, I had a couple extra cups of coffee today. So I'm feeling a bit better. Good. But uh, I don't think I could put it any better myself. So I guess let's go ahead and wrap up there for the week. All right. Sounds good. Cool. Thank you much. And uh, we'll talk to everybody later. See you. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.